Welcome to the future of NFTs, brought to you by Adlunum, the first engaged to earn proof of attention IDO launchpad. Hosted by co founder Natya Vester, we bring you exclusive insights on NFTs, the revolutionary digital technology that's transforming the world as we know it. Hey, Web3 World, this is Natya Vester from Adlunum, and you are listening to The Future of NFTs the show that looks beyond current NFT use cases to what non-fungible token technology is evolving into. All this as seen through the eyes and built by the minds of the fascinating guest speakers that we are very lucky to speak to each week. Adlunum is building the Web3 industry's first investment platform, aka IDEO Launchpad, with a proof-of-attention allocation mechanism. And the reason that the future of NFTs are so important to us is because our investor profiles are Dynamic NFTs, which powers our engage to earn model by allowing for fractionalization of engagement earned allocation during private and public Web3 investment rounds. Now, on to today, if fashion is your thing, listen up because the $1.7 trillion global fashion industry is going digital. Our discussion today centers around digital fashion, which combines both physical and digital garments. AR filters and wearables. Future of Fashion is here and our guest today is one of the best people in the industry to tell you more about it. So let's welcome to the show Louise Lang, founder of Fidgetal Twin. With a remarkable entrepreneurial journey, Louise has successfully launched fashion brands that have grown into multi-million pound businesses. So Fidgetal Twin, which I'm sure Louise will tell us a lot more about, uh, is a brainchild that has come about after, I think, a long journey in the fashion industry, so very well informed by the ongoing trends in fashion. Fidgetal Twin provides comprehensive solutions for creators, communities, and businesses to transform their 2D and 3D assets into stunning fashion collections and skins. Fidgetal Twin's mission is centered around educating and empowering individuals and corporations who wish to leverage 3D design tools to enhance and develop their own fashion lines. Ultimately, the vision is to become the world's most sustainable digital fashion company while also establishing themselves as the largest print-on-demand marketplace. And as a futurist and a thought leader in the rapidly evolving realm of digital fashion and the metaverse, Louise is a true pioneer in on-demand fashion and a catalyst for change both in terms of environmental sustainability and social impact, which, of course, are two extremely pertinent topics, uh, especially in the world that we live in today. So I'm very, very thrilled to have Louise on the show today to delve into the future of NFTs, the future of the physical and the digital in fashion, and the transformative power of digital twin in revolutionizing, revolutionizing the fashion industry. Louise, welcome to the show. So happy to have you with us today. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me and lovely to see so many listeners. Thank you for tuning in. All right. So let's get right into it. For those listeners who might not be familiar with the concept, can you explain the idea behind digital fashion and how it combines physical and digital garments? Yeah, so the word digital combines digital and physical to create a digital. So it was coined, I guess, when we 
we set up Fidgetal Twin, um, really the concept was ideated a couple of years ago and the word digital existed. Um, so it's basically the twinning of the digital and the physical assets. And um, so in you know, my background is fashion. I spent a long time working, you know, with the product, merchandising, production, range planning, forecasting. Um, and really I could see um, how much waste was being created. Um, so after, you know, working for luxury brands such as Kilgore, Reese, I've been the CEO of a brand called Shrimps, it was really, for me, I really saw this opportunity with um, digital fashion to almost democratise the existing, um, the way that fashion works. It's, it's extremely, extremely broken industry um, with so much waste, margins uh, are low, you know, the overproduction is huge. So there's a lot of, um, it's very difficult to make money in fashion, to be totally honest. So it's where we came up with the idea of digital twin and using the digital asset to basically be, to streamline the whole uh, process um, and then only make the physical, as you said, on demand after you've actually known that that digital asset, A, works, is popular and you've got a sale. So that's the, that's, that, that's how we came up with, well, that's how we, that's how we're called Fidgetal Twin and that hopefully explains Fidgetal. Yeah, so just to uh, contextualize a bit what Louise is referring to in terms of waste. So the statistics say that out of 100 billion garments produced each year around the world, 92 million tons end up in landfills. I mean, this is an insane amount if we are talking about a world in which we are facing quite severe environmental challenges and the concept of fast fashion, which means that fashion is produced at rapid speed and is incredibly cheap so that we can just produce and consume more and more garments on a stupendous basis. It really becomes such a pertinent topic. So Louise, I have to ask, in terms of your own journey from the fashion industry into now Web3, how did that come about? Were you already aware of Web3 and wanted to kind of move more into this realm or was it more the concerns as you highlighted and you were looking for a solution which turned out to be uh, the more digital approach? I mean, it was really for me, it was during COVID um, and I was consulting for companies who ended up, you know, my kind of one of my primarily prim primary roles was in planning and forecasting and product and, and merchandising, as I said, and, you know, kind of running people's P&Ls and businesses. And, and it was just becoming so difficult during COVID. Obviously, companies had no money. They were they were really struggling and um all their cash was tied up in stock um and it was during this time I thought you know I, I, I need to do something different I, I want to I want to make a difference I don't want to be doing this and sitting on tons of waste and feeling responsible for that myself and at the same time digital fashion you know the crypto had already begun and was quite established and um digital fashion was kind of becoming more and more talked about and I saw a connection with how we can use it, go digital first and then make the physical after. And that's how, you know, when I started, actually, when I had COVID, I just sat down, had two weeks on my own. And I just just literally brainchild, digital twin, um, wrote like 15,000 words on, you know, 
how I saw the future of this. Um, so it's really fortunate to have COVID for me personally, it actually worked out um, as an opportunity to have some headspace to rethink what I was doing and how we could make a difference. And it it was two things really it was it was one was reducing waste and doing things in a more streamlined way and the other was you know I've done lots of startups um and generally there's a, a barrier to entry for anybody that wants to have their own fashion collection um traditional methods it costs you know like fifty thousand pounds you have to buy a lot of stock the samples are expensive the whole development is expensive and I was like, how can we, how can we actually, I work with, you know, we're, we're connected to lots of influencers. We, we know lots of people that want to have fashion brands. But when I say to them, oh, it's 50 grand, they say, oh, I don't want to take that risk. So like, how can we use the digital tools that are there now, like 3D Clo, to A, reduce waste and B, um, offer this kind of, I suppose, service or, or like design assets, uh, you know, provide provide these this you know these digital assets and, and design services to people that want to have their own collections. Kind of make it happen for them. Um, so we married the two together. The two the two problems really, which is barriers to entry and the waste, um, and that's how it kind of came to fruition. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to me how pivotal uh, COVID was in so many people's journeys. I mean, I think. If you look at the history of humanity, we've never really slowed down as much as we did during COVID. I mean, at least in, in our generations that we know of. Um, and I hear so many stories about people who really were able to, I mean, including my, myself as well, uh, just were able to take a step back and really reevaluate what, you know, what they're doing with their lives, where they are in their careers and really what change they really want to make in the world. So you mentioned earlier in terms of the democratization aspect. Uh, how do you see digital fashion as being democratizing both to creators, of course, this digital first on demand creator based approach that you have, as well as consumers? How does it affect both those stakeholders in terms of democratizing their access, their usage and really just how they engage with fashion in general? I think that it's it's a completely different route, isn't it? It's like if you if you think about traditional fashion methods, how we shop online or we go to a store, they're basically the two revenue. There's two ways you're going to buy fashion now. Now there's uh, lots more avenues, and I think one, well, two that we do, which I I think is so exciting, is is a whole one is AR filters, one is um, the wearables for the metaverse, and I think. At the same time, I've got children that, you know, during COVID were on Roblox the entire day. And, you know, I saw they were visualizing themselves in digital clothing and caring about how their digital identity was. Um, and so I think in terms of like democratizing, it's like if we could see ourselves uh, in within a metaverse environment or a game and like the clothing that we're connected with, like have a connection with that clothing um, before we buy it. And and at the same time, using AI, AR filters to do the same job, you know, that everyone's playing with snap filters. And it's like, oh, I can try a garment on, like in the comfort of my own home using a filter. I've engaged with that product. I see what it looks like on me. I then can buy that. Um, and I think that's 
shopping in a completely entirely different way um, and one that has much more um, engagement and meaning to it just for example like returns run at um, 35% for most fashion brands you know I'm no I'm been at faults of this buy 10 things from the store try them on send nine back or all 10 back that generally means that the garments end up in landfill primarily because they they can't process them quick enough so it's a it's not the best way of shopping um and so i do think that the whole digital realms can enable us to hopefully shop in a more kind of i suppose informed way you know, as well, if you think about immersive stores, like we built one for our last influencer, where you can go and you can look in this immersive store, you can click things, you can see the products in AR, it can pop up in your home. Um, and you can see things really clearly, unlike on an e-commerce uh, website, it's totally different, it's all in 3D. So I, so I think it's so exciting how these 3D tools can can basically democratise the way we shop and buy and will do in the future. Yeah, we definitely live in an extremely exciting time. I want to come back to the question about digital identity, but before I do that, maybe just to contextualise for the listeners, uh, in terms of the AR filters and wearables, how do you use this within the digital twin ecosystem? Um. So with AR filters, we offer all of our, um, everybody that we work with, the opportunity to like have their, well, it goes both ways because, it, and it really depends because we're quite varied on who we work with. So just for example, take one, Decentraland. We were, we, we partnered um, with 3D and for Metaverse Fashion Week and we created a wearable um, that you could buy there and then you could have the physical, you could come to the website, connect your wallet and get the physical um, sample delivered to your to your house after you'd worn the wearable. So that's one option. Another is uh, we're doing a school project at the moment, which is really exciting, where year six children get to design their own hoodie using our customization tools and then the winner gets a Roblox skin. Um, and so they're just two examples of how we're using wearables. Um, the other, with AR, um, we use it as a virtual try-on. Uh, sometimes, you know, there's limits with AR try-ons. Like you can't, we did a sports collection. It, if it's too tight, it doesn't necessarily track your body. So we added wings and we made it more engaging and much more fun. Uh, and it, it's ideally supposed to I mean reduce returns, increase engagement, mean that you can play with that filter any way you like. And every time I use an AR filter, everybody has a smile on their face. I just love it so much. Um, and people do silly dances and it's like, uh, it's quite entertaining. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I also love the fact that you are working with, with children because, I mean, as an adult, we have had an extremely different understanding of what it means to be in a digital world because, I mean, depending on how old you are, you were when the internet became a thing and, I mean, also the early internet was really not accessible or even uh, relatable to, to most people. So it's really only in the last, I would say, decade, decade or so 
that it became so much part of our everyday lives. So in terms of this idea of a digital identity, which is something I'm extremely passionate about and spend a lot of my time thinking about as we make this transition, how do you see the differences in what the understanding is of a digital identity between different generations? Of course, as you mentioned, you know, kids being on Roblox or in Minecraft every day, their idea of what it means to be their digital selves is very different from, let's say, myself, which is from a completely different generation. So do you see differences in the evolution of what it means to have an identity as we move more and more into this digital first realm? 100%. I, 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 you know, when we've, we've tried to, you know, like sell sell the idea of digitaling dre dig digitally dressing, you know, um, like customers, we offer it as a service, but it's not, it's not that popular in all honesty, you know, but when I, when I say to, to my children, you know, cause I think a lot of us, you know, of a certain age, they, they don't really see necessarily the value in wearing a digital asset um, when they could have a physical one because it's tangible. But then when you ask the younger generation, and I say to my children, you know, do you see that? What do you think? They're like, yes, because they're so used to being digitally dressed. So I really hope, because there's so many advantages of digit digitally dressing oneself, you know, for social media or for influencers or for, you know, fashion shoots, um, whatever the reason, like to have that open mind, which I think, you know, Generation Alpha 100% do, they, they will see themselves, they'll be very happy to be digitally dressed. And you can see that now. Um, so I think it's just a matter of time of, the, of this generation growing up to, to make it mass adoption. Something that I find really interesting, uh, I'm not particularly a fashion-oriented person, but when I find myself in the metaverse, suddenly I have this urge to express myself through clothing that I definitely would never wear in, in everyday life. I mean, a lot of it's very over the top and, you know, like doing the little dances. So do you think yeah. that also for the older, I, mean, I don't like referring to us as the older generation, but, you know, do you think that the non-Gen Alpha gener generation, Gen Z, millennials, etc., that there will also be a shift in the way that we see fashion, that we also move more into this acceptance of expressing yourself digitally might be a much easier and let's say safer way because I don't necessarily have the need to, I don't know, go into the street wearing a dinosaur costume, but I am very open to doing it online. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that, you know, when I went into Metaverse Fashion Week, I wanted to be the one that had lights all over me and look a bit crazy. And you want to be, you know, it's like you want to sort of stand out and be noticed. I think that's definitely some experimentation within the Metaverse is, is, is really fun. Um, and also the opportunity to be quite different. You know, you can really, you can have your, your whole body on fire. Um it is. It's it's a great opportunity to be experimental. I love it. So, what? Yeah, no. I mean, I'm I'm so excited for just how things are evolving, and that brings me to the question: If you, as someone who's been in the fashion industry for a lot of your, you know, most of your career, I, I presume. Um, how do you think that the growth of digital fashion and you know all of these different aspects, whether it's NFTs, the metaverse, AR filters, wearables, etc., how is it going to impact traditional retail channels over the long term? 
Oh, that's such a good, that's such a good uh, question. I mean, I think that they need to make things more immersive. It, it, I think it was just a matter of time. And if brands don't do it now, you know, they will seriously be left behind. Um, I think customers will demand to have more immersive 3D shopping experiences. Stores will need to become more, you know, like immersive as well. Like every time we're doing a collection now, we're working with a store in Mayfair, um, who's got a sneaker collection, we're saying, you know, we want to have magic mirrors in there. We want to have points of um, engagement with the, that's different, you know, so that people could even see on the outside of a store, they can see a magic mirror and they can, um, you know, they can, it will lure them into the store uh, and they can scan a QR code and they can see a pair of trainers in, in the middle of the air. All of that, I think, you know, it's still really, I know Coach have done it with Zero Ten, but it's still really in the scent and it's still not at all mainstream. A, because I think the cost is quite high, but I just think, I think brands are really slow on the uptake, especially corporates. It takes so long to get anything approved through the system. But, I, you know, I, I think in time it will become norm. But again, it's like digital clothing. It's just going to take a long time. Um short stores won't be the same you know you've got to make it enticing yeah i mean especially in a world where everyone is selling fashion and there's a store on every single corner there's a website galore that sells every fashion imaginable i can imagine that pretty soon with all of these new tools it's going to become something that's almost a necessity as much as at the moment it's a fun thing to try out or a luxury. But I, I have a question around, um, so Google recently came out with this new AI shopping feature, this try-on model uh, that you're able to conceptualize, you know, yeah. kind of if you're looking for something online, how it might look on you. Do you think that something like this is also going to fuel the advancement of these tools uh, as, you know, the everyday person that goes on Google suddenly is able to try on something that before might not have been possible, would that make people more open to, especially as we were discussing earlier, an older generation that might not be as digital first as the younger ones? Do you think that that's going to, let's say, desensitize us to this idea that fashion should actually be digital first? Yeah, I think all these things help. And it's just more exposure, more exposure, more exposure, isn't it? I feel, you know, even, you know, just with talking to my friends and just as, as the technology becomes more mainstream and just more more massively adopted, I think, yeah, it will become more normal. Um, I still think that it, we have to wait for the Generation Alpha to sort of grow up for it to become, you know, properly mainstream. And there's still a slight resistance there, you know, for, from lots of people. But 100%, it, 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 you know, the more Google do it, the more that the tools advance, the easier it will become. The, the tools still are very, they're not, they're not where they need to be. You know, we've still got a bit of a way to go. But, you know, our vision is is ideally, you know, you would go, you would come to our, you know, so we've, we've got the customization um, tools that we're launching the hoodie next week. And then we'll roll that out to lots of different styles. And the idea is that, you know, you, you can scan your body, you can see what that garment looks like on you. Um, and then, you know, you can get that physical garment made on demand after you've 
customize it essentially so that you you have a little bit of input into that as well and that might just be changing a color it might just be adding your name it might just be doing something small but at least you've got then more of a relationship with that product you've tried it on you know that it fits you you've customized it and I you know we really see that as a future um of kind of I don't know, ideally retail, you know, and then again, you can have that in the store. You can have customers that come in, they can try it on using the magic mirror. Um, they can then check out with this magic mirror, you know, and, 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 and have a copy of that for their social media to post as well. And I think just always linking it back to the digital, uh, more companies doing that, more people seeing it, it will become more normal. So you said that we are early and I absolutely agree with you. I mean, this is, it's always a tough one when you are part of an industry that is in such early stages that it feels as if, you know, it's lagging behind and it's not taking the time that you wanted to take because of course you are involved with it and you want things to move forward, but it's always when you zoom out and you realize that it's such still it's, it's still such a small percentage of the world population that even thinks about these concepts. So if I can ask you to put your futurist hat on for a second, how do you think that the future of fashion is going to evolve over the next decade, especially in the light of digital fashion, uh, NFTs, uh, you know, different Web3 tools? Um, considering that we are still so very early and that even the Web3 as a, uh, industry as a whole is still struggling with awareness and adoption, etc. Um, okay, so I, I, uh, we've been sort of talking about AI a lot. I mean, who hasn't? But I see, I see AI as becoming very important for the future of fashion. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we're trying to really kind of imagine is how you can actually use AI to design. So we've got our customization tool, for example, but you still have to upload your, your PNG file. You have to take away the background. Um, it's, it's manual as such. So imagine if you could go on and say, oh, I'd like a dress and I'd like to have it uh, have a V-neck. I'd like to have frilly, frilly cuffs. I'd love it to be pink with like orange spots on. Um, so where was I? So AI with customization, where you can amend, you can you can have AI prompts that say to you, like how which design, you know, I would like a V-neck, I would like a frilly calf, or I would like it to be like thigh length. Um, you can obviously get AI to change the fabric for you. You can get AI to put a print on for you. You know, obviously you have to have a little bit of an idea about what you want. But I see the fashion in the next ten years becoming much more about the creative economy and much more about giving everybody the tools to be able to like design their own collections you know for example we have a marketplace where if there's any creators that want to have their own collections you can you work with us to have your own uh, collections you can sell it on the marketplace you have new revenue streams and you know this hasn't existed before because the tech hasn't existed to make it mainstream so imagine if you can design a dress using AI then sell it on a platform make some money or just do it for yourself. It's just something you can never find what you want and the pattern gets adjusted in the back end. So I think everything, 
all the touch points along the building fashion collections has always been very time consuming to even imagine what to start, you know, what to create for fashion brands season to season to season. Um, can use AI. Obviously, there's there's issues with AI, with IP and where did the ideas come from, but it can speed things up and I think it can open open up fashion collections to the masses. Um, and that's where I really hope the future goes and using, you know, also seeing digital fashion, seeing yourself in the metaverse first that we discussed earlier, and then being able to order that in a game. You know, we're working with gaming companies um, where they see, you know, that you, you, you designing their own skins and then and then buying them afterwards. And I think this is like actually using gaming as a as a shopping experience um, is, is, is a really exciting uh, future tool for retail retailers. The more and more people... Yeah, I find, yeah. That, I find that absolutely fascinating because, as I said earlier, I'm really not fashion-oriented. And the reason this is is because the cycles, you know, the, the seasonal cycles, it might not be, and, and very often, in fact, most of the time, it's just simply not something that suits me, my personality, my style. So for years now, I've stopped buying from... I've stopped buying fashion. I always just get my own things made. You know, I have my own pattern and go to a tailor and have it tailor-made. But I love this approach of just being able to digitize this because it really does mean that everyone becomes their own creator, as you said. And not only do you not have to be a fashion designer in order to create your own uh, fashion style, but also you're able to share that with the world and join the creator economy in, in this sense, even if you don't have a background in fashion or are not a fashion designer. So I'm curious... In terms of the existing fashion industry, obviously this unlocks so much potential for emerging designers and independent creators. So how do you think this is going to influence established fashion brands who suddenly have to find themselves now competing with emerging designers who, I mean, in the traditional system, there's so many gatekeepers that prevents these rising stars from really being noticed. How do you think the approach from well established fashion brands i mean the big brands that we all know you know might love might hate might support might find unaffordable how are they going to uh, i mean we we've already seen some of them and kind of i i think in fashion one of the top use cases for the web3 industry is fashion in the sense that they're really jumping on it early but there are also other fashion brands who we've not seen any movement from. Do you think it's going to come to a point where they will recognize, as you, I think you, you, you alluded to this in the beginning, um, you're either going to get in or, well, there's no real alternative, but, but what do you see the response being at the moment and how do you think that response might shift as the competition becomes a lot more creator-focused as opposed to this top-down approach where these brands dictate what people wear? So I think they'll start doing more collaborations. I think, you know, I think one thing that Web3 has done and I've just noticed is, is, is actually just expose how many brilliant creators there are out there. You know, all the digital designers, all the, you know, people creating amazing artwork with NFTs. Um, you know, it's it's super, it, it's just, it's so creative and there's so many, so, so much of it. Um, 
So I think that, you know, they, they obviously see that. And these people are also, you know, they're, they're creating communities. Uh, they have followers. They have, it's easy for them to sell. It's easy for them to, you know. And I, I think brands, uh, they're not using Discord. You know, they're on traditional mediums like Instagram, which isn't what it was. It's very hard to maintain followers these days without paying high digital marketing budgets. So they will want to tap into this this world, you know, as they are starting to, um, and do more collaborations. I think with 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 talented creators. So I think it will become cross pollinated. I think it has to. So I think unless they, if they just continue to do it on their own, you know, unless you're Nike or you're Adidas or you know you've got huge huge budgets, it's going to be very difficult to kind of catch up. Um, so, yeah, I think really interesting time. We're starting, you know, with so many talented digital designers. And what we want to do at Digital Twin is almost kind of enable those designers to have their own fashion collections. So they might, you know, they might use 3D clothes, they might use Blender, but they don't understand garment construction or, or any of the technical aspects or where to go and get fabrics or how to manufacture it. So we're saying, OK, there's so much talent there. We're, you know, we've picked a few and we're sort of working with them. We're doing a catwalk with one in September. Um, we really want to support as much of this talent as possible so that they can have their own fashion collections. Um, and of course, we've got the marketplace to, to sell it for them as well um, and just do, you know, revenue share. Um, because, because I think there is... The, the creativity when it with 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 all of these new new digital tools means that the the it, you know the, the the designs they're coming up with are a little bit more creative and a little bit more out there because they're not necessarily have to, having to think about traditional garment manufacturing but then if you say okay well you've created this if we can just change this and this this you can then have a collection it becomes like something much more conceptual and different and it's exciting, I think, you know, um, brands are going to have to work with, you know, this Web3 community if they, I think, to stay to stay relevant long term and gaming companies. You see it more and more like more and more partnerships with Epic Games um, and that becoming real a real kind of revenue avenue that brands will need to go down. Yeah, it's a, it's a really exciting time to be alive, sometimes a little bit frightening, but definitely in the context of this conversation, absolutely exciting. So I'm curious in terms of fashion and the fashion industry, uh, what trends have they been in using NFTs and what do you think NFTs might be used for in future uh, in the fashion context? Sorry, just hold on, my dog's barking. We don't mind dogs. We love dogs. So happy, happy to have a little hello from, uh, I don't know, what's your dog's name? She's called Zayla. Bless her. Hey, Layla. <laughs> oh, oh so, so what was the question about NFTs? Right. So, so what trends have there been thus far in using NFTs for fashion? And how do you think that might shift in the future? Um. So, I mean, I think I've seen, you know, we've seen lots of utilities attached to gone are the days, I think, where you can just sell an NFT. Uh, it has to be, you know, loaded with, 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 with utility. And I think one of those things 
that's really amazing for brands is the loyalty program you know the fact that you can you know reward your customers I love the idea of like where to earn um so obviously we can touch on NFCs but like if you can add uh, an NFC to the garment that then matches your NFT and then you can track so we're doing some fitness collections and in my head I'm like if you can track how many steps that person's done through the NFC chip and then reward them on points on you know like tokens then they become incentivized to wear it to promote it you know you can sell more um so i think utilities is is kind of what we've seen so far and special access and you know access to different communities token gated access as well which we also do on our website um but i think the future will become much more about the nfcs um and how nfcs then integrate with the nfts obviously and become your your true authentic physical item yeah that is absolutely fascinating i can't even envision a future in which i will be wearing to earn but i'm all for it <laughs> and any excuse to have a reason to wear something and i think this is really the the reason the rationale behind it is yeah. enticing customers to engage with you and to really make whatever you what whatever you're selling or offering part of their lives as opposed to this kind of web to top down approach that we've had on the internet as well as in the in the physical world but uh, yeah. that that brings me to a question that i think is also very important to you um this idea of really embracing sustainability whether it's environmental whether it's social uh, this is something that obviously the fashion industry has not uh, placed a lot of prominence on. I mean, fast fashion is a huge issue. So do you think that we will have a future where the idea of fast fashion will coexist with this new way of thinking? Will it always be around? Or do you see that we will gradually move into a different mindset where fast fashion becomes an issue for everyone, whether it's because of the impact that it has or simply because people embrace a more digital first lifestyle approach to the decision making that they take. How do you see the future of fast fashion? Oh, well, I mean, I'd love it to be, you know, extinct. And that's what, you know, we're really trying to promote. And that's why we're working with the school. So this this pilot program that we're doing with year six children who are all 11, you know, it's really teaching them. It's a sustainability project with the government, um, children's parliament to uh, show them a way of, you know, um, that on demand is like really, it, it's real. You can wait, you know, you can get a garment in five days. I mean, it's it's instead of that whole mentality of like, oh, buy it and, and you have it the next day. I think it's educating the children that it's better to wait for something that they can design something. I think it's all about education and I hope with the right education and, and uh, that fast fashion will, uh, slowly kind of deteriorate but it's also from the brand's perspective like I know you know it's ASOS is very much online and and we talked about how returns are impacting businesses now if you take 
the like of an ASOS, they lost by 300 million last year. It's really, it, you know, it's really, it's becoming very difficult, this whole traditional business model for brands to make money. So I think there's two things. There's one, brands need to change to become profitable again. They need to look at their whole supply chain and their routes to market and how they can reduce waste and use digital assets to test the market before they even go into a style. You know, I mean... There's so many ways of utilising it to engage with your community more. Um, ask them what they want instead of just making it and hoping it sells. So I think there's lots and lots of different things that the brands can do, first and foremost, to stay relevant. But, um, and you know, equally, customers going a different route. Um, and as we said, you know, engaging in the digital. So, so this Generation Alpha, if we can try to change their shopping habits slightly, then it will improve the whole ecosystem and hopefully in turn reduce fast fashion. And the more that on demand becomes popular, the more that we can reduce the price points. You know, one of my main kind of objectives when we started this is I used to do a lot of manufacturing in China and, you know, then we have to import it, you have to pay tax on it and it it's not cheap in the end especially you know with Brexit Brexit is becoming harder especially for the UK so if we can increase the production of demand then we bring down the margins and you know improve productivity then we become it becomes more competitive as well because there's also you've got to bear in mind like one of ones is harder than like making a hundred thousand so I think all of this comes together with educating the children and uh, you know I guess as well, reusing clothes, repurposing, um, this huge trend for renting garments. I think there's a lot of different initiatives nowadays um, to fast fashion that there weren't 10 years ago. So, yeah, I really hope it, it's definitely reduced significantly in the next 10 years. It reminds me of that idea of you're planting a tree not so you can sit in its shade but you're doing it for the next generation and it sounds very much like this is also something that you are focused on that this is not a short-term gain but you're building something that in future will become mainstream but it's still a long way to actually getting there so i have to ask as much as everything sounds incredibly exciting and i'm very very eager to see how this is all going to evolve are there ethical, social, et cetera, considerations that we need to address as fashion becomes more digitized, more accessible through these ways that we've been talking about? Um, I don't, I mean, I, am I missing something? I just, I don't necessarily see that there are. I, I, I mean, I do see it's all positives, I think see the 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 labor rate you know on if you talk about on-demand production it's there's there's nothing more there's nothing not to like about it um if we're talking about like digital assets i don't know actually i i mean for me no i haven't i haven't thought that through i can't think of anything that springs to mind that is is particularly negative about it at all and it definitely sounds like what 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 is being worked on is aiming to solve a lot of the systemic issues that we have at the moment. 
So I can imagine that as we progressively move into this future, that a lot of these issues that at the moment are so difficult for us to solve because it's just part and parcel of the process might by itself become gradually eliminated or at least lessened. Um, so that's definitely something to look forward to. But then yeah. challenges in terms of adoption, let's say, whether it's technological, whether it's cultural, what issues or challenges do you foresee there? I mean, we've mentioned earlier about the generational uh, gap, let's say, between how older generations view the idea of digital fashion. But are there other challenges that perhaps you either are already aware of or that you foresee might pop up in future from an adoption perspective? Well, yes. I mean, I think it's still so nascent, isn't it? So we live in a bubble of, you know, this is this is a sort of the Web3 digital first, you know, like on demand afterwards. But it is still very, very nascent. Of course, of course it is. And we're talking to um, a small amount of people. I think one of the main, um, I suppose, one of the main challenges for, for me with NFTs and fashion is, 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 the amount is, is how complex wallets are still. Um, and it's, you know, for, for fashion is very, it still feels very web, web two. And so what we try, what we try to do, you know, is to try to bridge the gap between the web two and the web three, because, and onboard people from web two to web three. I still, I feel like, you know, the technology needs to catch up with, with wallets and NFTs and, and trust as well needs to, needs to catch up a little bit. Like it's quite broken. Um, we are careful about our language around it. Uh, we don't often promote that we do it. Um, we do have a solution, an NFT integration solution, and we, you know, obviously believe in it so fully. Um, but it's, I think that you have to be careful with the language um, and trust. And yeah, I think it for NFTs to be 100%, I mean, they will become just part of every transaction that we have. And there will be one day that we won't even know that we've got an NFT. Um, but I think the technology that side needs to, it, it like needs to improve, it needs to be more secure. Um, and it needs to just be easier to, 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 to have a wallet, I think, for lots of people get put off. Yeah, 100% agree with you. I always say if you work in Web3, you love to use the terminology and you really desperately want the terminology to be used, but really only when the solutions are being used rather than just referring to the technology or referring to the solutions. That's when we'll know that we've we've made a success of it. So. Yeah. Yeah. What what you are doing, what you are building, I mean, it's it's really future facing, it's long term. So what role do you see Fidgetal Twin playing in shaping this future of the metaverse, digital fashion, etc.? You know, we we're really, you know, we're kind of really ambitious in what we want to do and we want to be that first um, the first port of call for people that want to have their, you know, gaming companies that want to have their own collections, uh, designers that want to have their own collections. You know, we want to be that kind of go-to marketplace and the biggest kind of on-demand, uh, print-on-demand company. Um, and really servicing Web3. Um, I don't see brands onboarding in, you know, in 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 the masses just yet because of the reasons that we discussed. 
but there really is so many so much opportunities for all of the markets that we discussed earlier like the creators that the um the gaming companies all of these uh that that haven't had their own collections we want to be that go-to company that can make can make it happen for them on a on a scalable efficient uh productive way and that's really you know how we see how we see the future and just to be you know sort of also provide these AI tools so that people can also we can do things offline but so that people can see their own garments themselves like you said you know and become your own couturier as such yeah I think for me that's always what the advent of technology is moving towards is this idea that of, of self-sovereignty. I mean, we talk about self-sovereignty in the crypto context in terms of owning your own, you know, like be, having ownership over your own funds, not relying on banks. But it's fascinating to really just zoom out using the same concept and thinking about this idea of self-sovereignty as permeating every aspect of our lives. So do you think that as the concept of digital fashion becomes more prevalent, that people are going to start viewing their relationship with fashion in general, I mean, what they wear, how they look, how they express themselves, is it going to become something that is just going to change the face of how people interact with the clothes that they wear, whether it's in the real world, whether it's in the digital world, which again touches on this concept of digital identity that really is shifting from, as I said earlier, the reason I, I, I really don't engage in the fashion industry is because I don't feel that what is being sold in the marketplace is something that accurately reflects who I am. But I have the ability, you know, due to my own privilege, I have the ability to step outside of it and go, okay, you know what, I'm not going to participate in this. I'm, I'm going to choose my own style. I'm going to get someone to make it for me. But in terms of the digital tools that are out there, I mean, being built as we speak, such as yours, it sounds like it might really lower the barrier to entry for people to also adopt a similar mindset. And then, of course, have these on-demand tools that really places them at a center of self-empowerment, as opposed to at the moment where brands are telling us what we should be wearing and how we should be expressing ourselves. Well, that's exactly what we want to do. And, you know, like open those doors and make it so so much easier for people to be able to do just that do you have to go to somebody you have to have that conversation can you imagine it all taken away from you and you can just do it online you can have I made we made a dress for you know for Ascot last week and it was made in two days literally designed and made in two days using a print that we already had but a shape that we already had you know so you imagine if you have like lots of people have their their patterns they can just upload them and then they can Every time they have an event, they can just go, okay, well, I've just I found this pattern I like. I'm just going to print it. I know that fits me because it's already been tried and tested. And there you go. I've got it in two days. And, oh, I can have a digital asset of that. Oh, I can have an NFT too. And it can be NFC tag. So, it can, uh, you know, I can have the all of the advantages of the NFT, NFC um, technology as well, you know, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's a bit sort of like, it, 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 it's the future I think you could even have your own uh outfit to wear in your favorite game as well the same one that you've just designed that you're going to wear to a party or out you know I can't wait probably a few decades from now listening to this conversation again if it's still online I mean Spotify don't go anywhere 
to listen to this again and have all of this be normal and realize how far we've come from really just now being in the conceptual stage to to getting to where we are going in future. So my last question, but in the meantime, I just want to remind the audience, if you would like to ask Louise a question, please DM the question to the Adlunum handle and the team will pass it on to me. So Louise, out of everything we've been, spoke, we've been speaking about, and I mean, there's been so many areas that we have touched on and so many really exciting things to look forward to. What is the thing that personally excites you the most about the future of fashion and the potential that these digital fashion tools hold? Well, well, I do honestly. I think I think it really is about the creative economy. That's what excites me the most. It's just about giving the tools to people to be able to have their own collections and to do this. Like at the moment, we do handhold to a certain extent, but for people to be able to do it automatically and for people to be able to make money themselves, we just create new revenue opportunities. And of course, at the same time, I'm really excited about education. As I said, you know, we want to roll out this whole. Um, pilot that we're doing with 11 year old uh, 11 year olds we want to do it across the UK like globally to be able to do you know sort of training programs within the metaverse to underprivileged countries so that everybody can kind of start to understand how we see the future of fashion um, and I'm really excited about education, creative economy um, and we're just working with lots of talent out there like just doing something good, you know, that makes a difference. Yeah, that is beautiful. And that's definitely something that I can get behind as well. So I'm quickly just looking through here. Uh, how do I pronounce this? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't even know how to pronounce this username. Uh, I'm not even going to try. I'm sorry. I'm going to completely mess it up. <laughs> uh, what advice would you give to entrepreneurs or creators looking to enter the space? Um, oh gosh, that's a really good question. I would say if you have an idea and you're really passionate about it, then just create a really good deck, really think through the whole process, um, start connecting with anybody that you can on LinkedIn that you think can help you, um, be brave, be bold and, and go for it. And I think that's, you know, if you kind of have an idea, if you have a dream and you're so passionate about it, like you should try it, just give it a go um, and just get advice and build, you know, try and build a support network as much as you can. I found LinkedIn really helpful, actually, you know, just starting out when you transition to a new industry or a different industry, um, just connecting with people all the time, I think is really valuable. And then my next question, let me just see, uh, what are the key factors that will make you successful in digital fashion? And this is by Amanda. Oh, gosh. I mean, I think digital fashion, if I can say digital fashion, I mean, create key factors. I think create like pure creativity, um, but I think building a community. I think if you look at, I mean, Steffi Fung, just for example, she's definitely done so well and we work with a designer called Blanc de Blanc these two have been really successful and like both of them um both of them actually train uh they offer training they show people their journeys they're really transparent they're almost educators within their own right and I think I think that really helps so it's about community and it's about sharing things um and 
yeah, it's also about talent, but there's so much, so many talented people out there. I think the difference is probably the engagement with the community, making it real. Yeah, it's beautiful how all of these uh, different approaches that are evolving are really all merging into this just beautiful blossoming, blossoming opportunity that puts people at the center as opposed to brands at the center and, you know, we being at the periphery. But I see yeah. we have a lot of people on here today that are very, very interested in this industry from a participatory aspect, maybe being creators themselves. My next question comes from... Hmm, Nikusim, and I am new to fashion. Should I start digital or physical? Oh, I think if you're new, that's that's also a very good question. Um, it depends really what what tools you have. Um, but it seems if you can if you can get access to Blender, which is free, I think, um, then start digitally. Um, why not? You know, it's really, it's really fun. And uh, uh, learning the physical part of it is, 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 is a little bit harder, I think, you know. Um, but once you've got great digital designs, um, then also you can, you can come and speak to us and we can help you with the physical part. But I think, you know, as, as, as we discussed earlier, Nadja, there's, 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 so, there's more barriers with the physical part. So you can be completely creative with the, with the um, digital part. And it's great for content and social media. It's really fun. I think people are more engaged with it nowadays. I think that is all the time that we have for questions today. Those of you who submitted your question, you are welcome to connect with uh, Louise uh, on Twitter. Louise, where is the best place to actually connect with you? You mentioned LinkedIn. We are on here on Twitter, but where where is the best place for folks to re reach out to you if they have more questions or, or really just to follow Fidgetal Twin and what you guys are building? Yeah, follow us on Instagram, uh, Fidgetal Twin on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter as well. We post regularly there. Um, feel free to DM me. LinkedIn is probably best, but any of the mediums, Fidgetal Twin, Instagram, Louise Lang, Louise Lang on on um, LinkedIn, um, and I'd be happy to follow up with any of you separately. Thank you so much for listening. Louise, thank you so much. I think I, I'm walking. I my, myself am walking away with so many insights and just ideas that I've never even thought about. So I can imagine it must be the same for the audience. So thank you so much for sharing your experience, your insight, and also your future forecast with us. As I said, I can't wait to listen to this episode 40 years from now and go, well, now it's all pretty normal. Uh, well, I don't know if it is going to be 40 years. Let's see. Um, yeah, absolutely great having you on, uh, all of you who tuned in live, as well as if you're listening to this after the fact. Thank you so much for sharing this hour with us. And I suppose we will catch you in style or somewhere around the metaverse. Um, and I will see you again next week for another episode of The Future of NFTs brought to you by Adlunum. Cheers, guys. Louise, thank you so much. I'm very excited to follow along what you guys are doing and how it's going to, evolving, to be evolving, especially in terms of education. That's also something that's really, really close to my own heart. And I believe that if we want to change the, the generational behavior, we have to start young. So I think it sounds like that's exactly the approach that you guys have. And yeah, absolutely respect and honor you for it. Thank you so much. Can't Thank wait to see what's next. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Take care. Bye. 
You've been listening to the future of NFTs. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform like Spotify or iTunes. Connect with AdLunum on Twitter at AdLunum Inc. or our website, adlunum.cc.